And so we're not moved. Look, you can get the same thing out of the word tonight if this room were full or if we can take up one row. It, it doesn't matter. And uh, I know it's the 4th of July tomorrow and, you know, a lot of people traveling, a lot of people taking time off, uh, you know, with the day offs tomorrow. Most people are off through the weekend, so they're going to take today off and just be gone. Um, but I appreciate you guys being here to hear the word, receive life, and be a part of what's going on here at Anchor Faith Church. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So be prepared. Prepare your hearts. Come with an expectation every service. Don't be moved by what you see. Don't be moved by how you feel. And then afterwards, you get to go home and tweet about it and Facebook about it and get people encouraged to be here in the next service. Amen? There's plenty of people using that stuff for the wrong reasons. We can use it for the right reasons. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the word tonight. We're so excited in our hearts, on the outside, in our faces. Father, we're excited to just be in your house to hear your word. You are the most important thing to us. You said man cannot live by bread, natural, fleshly bread alone. But we can live by by every word that proceeds out of your mouth, Father. So I thank you that your word tonight will quicken us. It will uh, uh, quicken us on the inside, and it will become fruitful on the outside, Father. We thank you tonight as we hear your word. Your spirit's going to give us life. Your spirit's going to give us peace. Whatever we come here in need of, whatever we come here um, just looking for and, and with a necessity in our lives, Father, I thank you that we're going to receive that tonight. If it's love, if it's comfort, if it's peace, if it's uh, uh, just whatever your spirit has for us tonight, Father, we want to receive that in full, and we thank you that your word is a priority in your life. We thank you for all those that are traveling, all those that are out due to vacations and different things like that, those that are connected with this body, with this church, Father, I thank you that you uh, have your angels around them, protecting them, guiding them wherever they're at, whether they're at the beach, whether they're... Uh, uh, just traveling throughout the state or across the nation. Father, I thank you that you keep them safe. You bring them back home safely, that they will have a time of refreshing and rest so they can come back and bring the kingdom of heaven to the earth. We thank you for all that you're doing in this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Well, uh, go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And I'm aware that it is a vacation night in one sense and so we're not going to go long but we are going to be deliberate amen we have been uh the past several wednesdays been talking about uh well we've been talking about different things every wednesday and we're in the middle of a summer to remember a summer to remember and um the play on words there is that we are taking this summer to go back and remind ourselves of things that god has spoken to us before words that he has ministered to us before remember th these these aren't, don't look at these messages as, oh, that's what Pastor Mark prepared or that's what Pastor Mark had to say. This is the word of God. And God said that in his word, you're to meditate day and night. In his word, you're to remind yourself and be in remembrance of. Peter, Paul, Jesus all said many times, be in remembrance of. The Holy Spirit's been given to us to remind us of the word. And so as we go through God's word, there's... There's no reason why we can't go back and take a look at things that God has said to us. And in doing so, 
um, I have found in studying out previous messages that God has shown me different things in a different light, been able to bring a different tone to it. Those of you that have been here with us before, uh, you, you may have already noticed that we've been hitting some points that weren't there the first times. And um, so it's been good to do this. And so we're going to continue to do this through the summer. And tonight, I'm going to minister a message that came out of our series on the Holy Spirit. And uh, if you uh, remember us doing the Holy Spirit series, it was like four months long. And so what I did was I broke it up into different sections. I talked about the Holy Spirit first as a person, who he was as a person, because uh, in church today, he's become more of a feeling or an experience or an emotional uh, you know, show or play, but uh, the Holy Spirit is a person. He's the third person of the Trinity. And so uh, first we took a look at the person of the Holy Spirit, then we took, at a, took a picture at the life of the Holy Spirit, and then we identified the fruits of the Spirit, and then lastly, the gifts of the Spirit. And this message uh, was originally titled Fruit Versus Gifts, but I want to call it tonight uh, Bearing Fruit. Bearing fruit. If you have a fruit, if you have uh, an iPad or an iPhone with you, you can look at, you can follow along through you version there. But tonight, I'm going to call this bearing fruit. I'm going to kind of cover the section that we taught during that series on the fruit of the Spirit, but combining it with a life of the Spirit and a life in the Spirit. And I want to open up with this first statement. This first statement is the Holy Spirit has been given to man. To defeat the flesh, not the devil. I want to say that again. The Holy Spirit has been given to man to defeat the flesh, not the devil. And we have to keep this in sight because if you are going through life trying to beat up the devil, you are busy trying to do something that's already been taken care of. Jesus already conquered the devil, he's already been whipped, stripped, defeated. He has uh, had the keys to death, hell, and the grave taken away from him. Jesus obliterated Satan. And he uh, is going to uh, lose all freedom one day. Right now, he has free reign on the earth, but he doesn't have free reign where God's people choose not to let him go. But the Holy Spirit has been given to us To help us defeat the flesh. Your greatest enemy is you. Not the devil. And the devil only wins in your life where you let him. And the devil only wins in your your life where you don't put your flesh down. So we're going to combine this. A life in the spirit. A life of the spirit. Along with fruit that is to show on the outside. So I wanted to make that first statement so you kind of put in context where we're going to go. The Holy Spirit has been given to man to defeat the flesh, not the devil. Now go to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15. You should be there. And Jesus is speaking. He says, beware of false prophets. Beware of false prophets. You know, that statement right there in today's day and age is becoming more and more real. Beware of false prophets. And how are we supposed to know that they're false prophets? Because here's the thing is false prophets don't go around telling you that they are preaching something false. (laughs) Wouldn't that be easy? Hey, what I'm about to tell you is just a straight up lie. You don't have to believe it if you don't want to. If you choose to, then great. 
No, it doesn't happen that way. He says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. Great. They look just like everybody else. A false prophet on the outside looks just like everybody else, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. But look at verse 16. You will know them by their fruits. You will know them by their fruits. Now, let's just stop right there. Let's talk about fruit real quick. Because a fruit shows up on plants and trees. And a fruit is the indicator of what type of plant or tree that is. An apple tree doesn't have to wear a sign that says, I'm an apple tree. Because... It has apples hanging off of it. And no one goes up to an apple tree and says, hmm, I wonder if this is an orange tree. I wonder if this is a banana tree. I wonder what kind of fruit this is. I wonder what kind of tree this is. I wonder what kind of fruit it's going to produce. No, when you see the fruit, it becomes the indicator of what type of tree that is. So he says here, you will know them by their fruits. Meaning, you will know them on the inside by what's showing up On the outside, do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Look at how simple Jesus is making fruit here. A good tree bears good fruit. A bad tree bears bad fruit. Something so simple. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. By their fruits, you will know them. A life of the Spirit. What is a life in the Spirit? And we've heard this statement many times. It's become kind of a Christianese type statement. So I like to explain these things out so we have an idea of what we're looking at. And here's what happens. When you come into the kingdom, you come into a new life instantly. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, you become a new creature in Christ. Instantaneously. There's no time process. There's no time period. Jesus doesn't say, all right, well, I'll give you three months and find out if you're really saved or if you're really born again. No, your spirit on the inside has instantly changed. Your spirit is saved. On the outside, though, we know that not a lot of change happens. Now, there are people that kind of, you know, you ever seen someone that just got born again? They just seem to have this glow about them. Man, they're just excited about life. Man, they're just They have a a whole new outlook on life. It seems like they are a completely different person. But in the big picture, what's on the outside doesn't necessarily change that much. And you give a new believer any amount of time, And they're going to find themselves still having some thoughts and still having some processes, still having some desires, still having some talk, still having some actions and responses to things in life based upon a former state of life. 
And so I like to explain it this way. Your spirit is saved. Your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions are being saved. But your flesh cannot be saved. I'll say that again. Your spirit is saved. Your soul, which is your mind, your will, and emotions, is being saved. It's in the process. That's what Romans 12, 2, renewing the mind is all about. It's a process of being saved. But your flesh on the outside cannot be saved. And we'll see this actually later on in this message. What's on the outside cannot be saved. And it will pass away and go back to the dust that it came from. Cannot be saved. So here is the goal in life. Here's what a life in the spirit means. A life in the spirit means what's on the inside needs to be revealed on the outside. That's a life in the spirit. Very simply put, if someone lives a life in the spirit, that means that they are being governed by what's on the inside, not by what's on the outside any longer. See, before you were saved, you had no choice but to be governed and dictated. Your life was determined by what was on the outside, the way you grew up, the type of parents you had, the people you hung out with, the things that you watched on TV, the things you heard on the radio, and the responses that you saw around you. And you became a creature of the nature you lived in. However your parents saw money, that's how you saw money. However uh, your parents dealt with situations, that's how you dealt with situations. Whatever type of friends you hung out with and whatever they did, ultimately it's what you did. You became a product of your environment, if you will. And what was around you determined who you were, how you responded, how you lived your life. But a life in the spirit is now a life that is contrary to what's around you because there's something in you that's contrary to what's around you. You now have a Holy Spirit that's living inside of you. And the sad part is, is many believers don't get past what's taking place on the inside. They don't ever let it show up or reveal itself on the outside. And as believers, we have a responsibility to get our life on the inside, the new life, to show up and reveal itself on the outside. That's a life in the spirit. That's a life that is governed and controlled and dictated by what is on the inside. And so Jesus here is saying that there will be false prophets that can put on one thing on the outside, but are really a different way on the inside. So just like there are believers that have a new life on the inside that never let it show on the outside, there are also some people that have something on the outside that isn't really what's going on on the inside. Now you kind of see the flip side of it. What I mean is they come to church and they do a bunch of nice things and they look spiritual on the outside, but there's nothing spiritual going on on the inside. So it's got to work both ways. What's taking place on the inside has to reveal itself on the outside. And this is how they become wolves in sheep's clothing. What? They're really something on the inside, but it never reveals itself or shows itself on the outside. Just like a fruit. A fruit begins as a seed, 
inside of the tree or inside of the plant. And you don't really know what kind of plant or tree it is until the fruit shows itself. At least I wouldn't. Now, around here, we've got a lot of uh, farmers. A lot of them are in produce. A lot of them are in that type of field, in that type of life. And so they can, oh, yeah, that's, that's a cotton plant. Oh, yeah, that's a peanut plant. They can identify that. But typically... Being able to identify what's on the inside, you've got to see something on the outside. And so that's what we're talking about. This fruit, basically, is our character and our lifestyle. That's what Jesus is pointing to. Their fruit. You will know them by their fruit. Jesus says, even those that are wolves on the inside and look like sheep on the outside, eventually they're going to have In my life and my wife's life, we've had people that have been close to us, served with us in ministry, worked with us very closely, served under us, served alongside us. And it looked like they started to take a change in life, but you couldn't really pinpoint. Well, where's the fruit? You just feel there's, they're making decisions that aren't what it usually is. Now they're talking about ministries and people that we serve with and we're like okay somebody's right and somebody's wrong and every time we had the conversation I'd always tell my wife time is the greatest factor in fruit time time will always reveal fruit fruit takes time we know this ask any farmer you can put the seed in the ground one day but you're not going to have it tomorrow You're not going to have it instantaneously. So time becomes a great factor when we're talking about fruit. How do I know? Just give it time. And the fruit will show. Jesus said, you will know them by their fruits. That means that they will bear fruit at some point. And fruit on the outside is always an indicator of what's been planted on the inside. The fruit don't lie. Well, man, I, I, put, I put a banana seed in the ground, but for some reason an apple tree came out. Well, then you didn't put a banana seed in the ground. You might have thought you did. You might have thought you did, but fruit never lies. Fruit takes time. But fruit on the outside is always an indicator of what has been planted on the inside. I'm going to tell you right now, a life in the Spirit does not happen by accident. A life in the Spirit, we, we just got done talking about spiritual growth. For six weeks, we've just been hitting on that. And we said that spiritual growth, a life in the Spirit, a life governed and dictated by the Spirit, only comes because a, a deliberate Choice and deliberate lifestyle to follow the Holy Spirit. Wow, I, I just responded, responded out of the Spirit. I don't even know how that happened. I don't even read my Bible. I mean, I don't really give a whole lot of attention to that, but, you know, I, I wanted to hit the guy, but for some reason I didn't. You won't have that conversation. You will only respond out of the Spirit because you've been putting something in. Period. Period. 
Nobody gets fruit by accident. Somewhere along the lines, you put the seed in. And notice that there's good fruit and bad fruit. He doesn't say, well, if they're not spiritual people, then they just won't bear any fruit. You notice we're always bearing fruit no matter what. Regardless. Jesus says here, you will know them by their fruit, good or bad. Now, there's fruit of the Spirit, but there's also fruit of the world. Well, they're, they're not bearing any fruit. They, they don't have any fruit coming off of them. No, you'll have fruit. Is it good or is it bad? And that is determined by what you planted on the inside. Did you plant something good or did you plant something bad? Very simple. Jesus is breaking it down for us right here. So the only way to get good fruit is to plant good seed. The fruit always reveals what has been sown. The fruit always reveals what has been sown. Now, remember the parable that Jesus taught on the sower. If you remember, there were four different examples that Jesus gave of seed that had been sown. Now, in that case, the parable was the the sower was sowing one type of seed. And in that case, we were talking about where the seed was sown, the location of it, and what it was around. See, that's why the preparation and the expectation has to be there because the seed, although the seed was good and the seed was profitable and the seed was able to produce in people's lives, the soil determined what came out. That's on you. That's on the responsibility of the hearer, not the person sowing the seed. But here's what I want to identify is there are more than one there is one more more than one type of sower in your life and see we don't realize it cuz we think about church and we know that the bible is seed and the word of god is seed and it can be sown in our hearts but did you know that you can walk out of here tonight and you can have more seed sown into your heart you can go home tonight and watch tv and you can have more seed sown you can get on the computer tonight, and you can have more seed sown. Uh, you can get, you can go home, walk out of here, and you can get seed sown into your heart that's absolutely contrary to the seed I'm sowing right now. So we got to identify this. You're always being sown into, which means that there's going to be some kind of fruit that's produced out of the seed that's being sown. And so if we're going to produce good fruit, then we need to be mindful to only put in good seed. Let me take it a step further. There are people that can sow into your life. If you've been in church for any length of time, you've probably heard people say, I want to sow into their life. You can sow financially, sure. But people can sow words into your life. Are they words of faith or are they words of doubt? Are they words of peace or are they words of fear? See, this this is ways that you can be sown into your heart. Your heart is soil. You talk to any farm around here, their land is very valuable to them. And if the wrong thing gets into their soil, 
it's going to determine their crop at the end of the year, whether it's profitable or not. This rain right now, for some farmers, this rain might be good. And for other farmers, this rain might be bad. And so what? They're careful about what goes into their soil. They're careful about what is sown into their soil. And they only want to put things into their soil that will cultivate the seed that's been planted. That's why, that's why God said, meditate on my word day and night. What's he saying? Once you've put the word in, once you've planted the seed, make sure you water it. Make sure you keep it healthy. Look, the purpose of the seed, of every seed, is so that it produces a fruit. Period. Seed is invaluable if it produces nothing on the other end. The whole purpose of the seed is so that it produces something. The whole purpose of the seed, the whole purpose of the process of watering it and making sure it gets sunlight, making sure the soil is in good condition for the seed to grow, uh, making sure uh, throughout the process that you're taking care of the plant that is now housing the fruit. The whole purpose is so that whatever it bears is profitable to you and healthy and strong. So we can't just look at the seed for the seed. See, when a farmer looks at a seed, they see a tree. They see fruit. If you look at a seed and you only see a seed, then you have no mindset about what that seed can become. We have to have a fruit mindset, not a seed mindset. Because, and you've heard me say this before, if you won't take care of the seed, you won't take care of the tree. God knows how you're going to take care of the fruit tree that comes by how you take care of the seed. Because if you can take care of it in its smallest state, you'll take care of it in its bigger state. If you'll take care of it in its smallest, most fragile, most insignificant state, when no one sees what's going on, when no one sees what's coming of it, then he knows they'll take care of it when it's big and everybody sees it. So we're learning a lot about fruit here. We're learning a lot about seeds. Also notice this about fruit and seeds. You cannot change the environment and expect different fruit. You cannot change the environment and expect different fruit. Right now I'm reading a book that talks about the Egyptians coming out of Egypt. And the book, although it's a great book, it's a phenomenal book, it's probably in my top two list. And it's probably number one. It's a disturbing book. Because it identifies a group of people that although they were delivered physically from the land of Egypt and taken out of slavery, they still died in the wilderness because they never got free where it mattered most in their minds. I can take an apple seed and I can go to 
50 different farms and plant it, and it's going to produce an apple tree every time. So you've got to be careful about the environment you keep. We create that environment. You create that soil. Your heart is that soil. And you determine how rich it is. You determine how well it will maintain and cultivate that seeds within you. But then you've got to be careful on the people that you get around. There are some people that they go to church on Wednesday night or Sunday morning, but then the next day they get around people that destroy the seed that was planted within them. Why? Because they're in the wrong environment. So we got to be careful about the environment. Look, when the seed's been planted, do everything it, that is possible within your life to take care of the seed. When that thing's been put in there, I'm going to do whatever it takes. The Bible says to guard your heart, guard your mind. Why? Because out of it flow the riches of life. And we can't just get the seed planted and thank God I went to church and then the next day go drinking out with our buddies. You have just destroyed the seed that was planted. You've killed it. Thorns have come up. Cares of the world come up. Uh, you know, uh, 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 persecution comes upon your life. We know those things based upon the parable of the sower. Those are different things that come and attack the seed. And I can plant all kinds. I can plant the best, richest seed in the world, which is the word, on Sunday morning. But on Monday morning, you can do everything and put that seed around stuff that's just going to destroy it and kill it. So we've got to be careful of that. So fruit is the indicator of what is living inside of you. Let me, let me put it this way. What you have to give away is determined by what you're planting inside. Let me ask you the question. The apple tree hanging off of an apple, is it profitable for the tree or is it profitable for the person that picks the apple and eats it? It's for the person. It's not profitable for the tree. The fruit of the Spirit in your life is not profitable for you. It's because you are supposed to give something away. That apple will now bring nourishment to someone else. That apple is being produced by the tree to be profitable for someone else. So, if you don't care enough to put something good in, then you don't care enough to give away something good either. And if you really care about the people you work with, if you care about the family you're around, if you care about the people that you're supposed to be influencing in and investing in in your life, then you will take the time to put something good in so when the time comes that you need to give something good away, you have it to give away. But if you're only planting bad seed in your life, you will have nothing good to give them. You won't be able to help them. You'll hinder them. And so you have to be able to identify that I am here in the earth to give something away. But you've got to be putting something 
good in. If we go down a little further, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Jesus has some more words to say here. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Those all sound like good things, doesn't it? I mean, prophesied, casting out demons, done many wonders. I mean, if you go to Mark chapter 16, isn't that what he told them to do? You'll prophesy. Cast out demons, lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. They're doing it. But yet he's, gonna t- he's telling them that they're not even going to make it. Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And this is where we started to get into the fruits of the Spirit versus the gifts of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit versus the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are not indicators of a life in the Spirit. I'll say that again. The gifts of the Spirit are not indicators of a life in the Spirit. When we look at the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul had some harsh words when we were doing our spiritual growth series. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, he talks to them, and we pulled this out when we were studying it. And he says that they weren't spiritual people. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people. But as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. Look at this. The level of spirituality you hold in your life determines the level of spirituality you can receive. Farmers here in this part of Georgia, if they realize that a certain type of soil or a certain land is not able enough to receive a seed and take care of it and maintain it properly, they're not going to sow that type of seed in there. And so he says, And I, brethren, cannot speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now you were not able to receive it, even now you are still not able. For you are still carnal. Now watch this. How did he know they weren't spiritual people? There's just, no, there's just no signs and wonders going on in your church. There's no prophecy. There's no tongues and interpretation. People aren't being healed. So you're just not spiritual people. No, if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, later on in the chapter, verse 26, he says, How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all, be, let all things be done 
for edification. He's talking to a church where everyone is operating in the gifts of the Spirit. He's talking to a church here that whenever they come, someone's got a psalms, another one's got a teaching, another one's got a tongue, another one's got the interpretation, another one has a revelation. You know, most churches are doing good if one person has that going on. This church has all of them going on. And Paul tells them in the beginning of the chapter, the beginning of the book, that you're not spiritual people, you're carnal people. (laughs) Wow. Paul's got some audacity here to tell people that are operating in gifts of the Spirit that they're not spiritual people. But go back to chapter 3 and verse 3. For you are still carnal. What do you mean I'm carnal, Paul? I just gave a tongue interpretation on Sunday. I just had a revelation. I did a teaching. What do you mean we're not spiritual? For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Wow. Paul just said, I don't care about all the spiritual things you do. If your character and your lifestyle cannot line up with the character and lifestyle of the Holy Spirit, you are still carnal. Now remember, carnal doesn't mean you're not saved and not born again. That doesn't mean you need to come down to the altar and, uh, you know, Ask Jesus into your heart. He's there. You just haven't yielded to that life now. Carnal means a Christian that is still living in the flesh. That's what carnal is. That's what carnal is. You've been given a new nature. You're a new creature. Jesus Christ lives on the inside of you. He sent his Holy Spirit to live inside of you, to help guide you and help you live this new life in the kingdom. But you're still living like the old life you used to live. You're still living like the way you used to act and talk and respond. That's what carnal is. So you're saved, but you're not spiritual. And sure, you got tongues and interpretation of tongues. You've got uh, all these different revelations, and someone's came and they've got a teaching, and people are are moving with gifts of the spirit. But you know, it's like one pastor I heard say, "I don't care if you run, jump, shout, whatever you do in service. When you hit the ground, you better be able to walk straight." What's he saying? You can't come to church and put on the spiritual suit. And then walk out and cuss the person out on the way home and get mad at the guy at the restaurant because they didn't get your order right and go home and yell at your family and go to work the next day and be worried about if you're still going to have a job. These are things that people are doing. What happened in in this Corinthian church here is still happening today. Running, jumping. Shouting, laying hands, falling out, moves of the Spirit taking place. 
I had a guy just recently talk to me about a, a church that he had left because that stuff wasn't going on. And I just, I just told him, I said, you got to be careful because now just because we don't have those things going on, we don't think the Holy Spirit's moving. I said, you got to understand that the Holy Spirit moves just as much in the teaching of the word as he does in the demonstration of the word. The Holy Spirit is moving right now. And I don't care if anyone doesn't fall out. I don't care if no one is slain in the spirit. I don't care if, if, if we don't have a healing. But here's what a greater testimony is. Pastor Mark, on Thursday I was at work and this headache just came on, but I just prayed right there and in the name of Jesus, and it left. That to me is a greater testimony than you waiting to come to Pastor Mark, but you applying and living by the word and have a demonstration of the spirit based upon the teaching of the word that happened the night before. If we're waiting until Sunday, to have a move of the Spirit. I mean, I was just listening to, to my pastor, Pastor Earl, and they're wanting to have some services coming up. He wanted to call them Holy Ghost services. And the Holy Ghost convicted him right there and says, are you saying that, there, no, that no other service is a Holy Ghost service? Now, that's a Christianese term that we've adapted. Come, we're going to have a Holy Ghost meeting tonight. Well, is that to say that every other Sunday and Wednesday that it's not a Holy Ghost meeting? Because I know right now where two or more are gathered in his name, he's there in the midst. You brought the Holy Spirit with you tonight. And so we've got to be conscientious of this. We don't have to wait till Sunday. We don't have to wait till a certain pastor comes. We don't have to wait till that big minister travels and finally comes to our city and holds a big meeting. And I can't miss it or else I'm going to miss my healing. You can get your healing instantly right where you're at if you apply what you're hearing on Sunday and Wednesday. Jesus is an everyday Jesus. He's not a Sunday Jesus, Wednesday Jesus. And thank God he's not, because now we've got churches that aren't even doing Wednesday. Now you've got to wait seven days to meet Jesus again. Well, thank God you can meet with Jesus on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. He's there with you at 3 o'clock in the morning. He's there with you at, uh, at lunchtime. He's there with you at 10 o'clock in the morning. It doesn't matter. And so we've got to be conscientious of this, that the Holy Spirit has been placed within us to help us bear fruit at any time, at all times. And so don't get caught up on the gifts of the Spirit. Man, they're such a spiritual person. I know people today that are in lifestyles and doing things that are absolutely contrary to the Word, but yet seem like the most spiritual person on Sunday morning. Why is it? Why is it that we can have a, a, a believer come to church, walk in the doors, raise their hands, sing all the songs, know all the words, amen, every verse, everything the pastor says, uh, operate in gifts of the Spirit, and then later on in the week, do something that's totally contrary to the Word of God? It's because that those things are not an indicator. They're not an identifier of your spiritual walk with God. The fruit of the Spirit is. And the fruit always reveals what's on the inside. The kingdom is within you, Jesus said. Well, that's a problem. 
Because, see, we thought the kingdom was in church. And so we said, well, if someone wants to experience the kingdom of God, they're just going to have to come to church with me. But the kingdom is within you. Which means when they come into contact with you, they've just come into contact with the kingdom of God. I mean, you should be biting at the bit to reveal the kingdom to somebody on Monday. Man, if I could just get them to church with me, man, they could experience what Jesus is all about. He's inside of you. You are Jesus in the earth. If that's, if that's not the most important thing, then I don't know what is. That's one of the biggest things I want to reveal to people through this church is that you are the church. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You have now become Jesus. You are the body of Christ in the earth. They don't have to wait till Sunday. Now, thank God they can come on Sunday and they can receive the teaching and the instruction and the deliverance. But see, we've got so many churches today that are just deliverance oriented. Come to our church and we'll get you saved. We'll have a big altar call and do the whole thing. But then we don't instruct people and teach people this stuff. How do I live differently? Not just pray something and get somewhere. How can I let that actually permeate my entire life? So here's a couple notes on gifts versus fruit. Gifts aren't obtained. Or uh, gifts are obtained. I'm sorry. Gifts are obtained. That means they're given. One fell swoop. But fruit is maintained. Gifts are obtained. Fruits, fruit is maintained. Gifts get you there. Gifts will get you somewhere. Gifts get you there. Fruit keeps you there. You may have a gift to sing and lead worship. But if your fruit can't keep you there, you won't be in that position very long. Not in this church. There are some churches that they'll pay people to come in and, and put on their talent show. But this isn't a talent show. And so your talent will never override your lifestyle. So gifts get you there. Fruit keeps you there. Gifts are what you do. Gifts are what you do. But fruit is how you do it. Gifts are what you do. But fruit is how you do it. And as we've been learning in our series on the solution... And trying to find God's will. God is more interested in how you do something than what you do. He's more interested in how you raise your kids than how many kids you have. He's more interested in how you operate in church or uh, on the job than what job you take. God is all about the how. God is all about the why. And so we have to be able 
to identify this fruit discussion because the fruit, that's your lifestyle. That's your character. That's your conduct. And what you do in one moment doesn't change who you are every other moment. So we've got to be able to identify this. So let's get to Galatians chapter 5. We'll close here. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Paul says, I say then, walk in the Spirit. That word walk, we know, can be interchanged with the word live. Walk or live in the Spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He says right there, if you live a life in the Spirit, your flesh will mean nothing. Your flesh will have no governorship, no rulership in your life. It will not dictate your life. You notice it's only one or the other. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath. Selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. So this isn't an end-all, be-all list. When he throws and the like in there, he just opens it up and says, look, if anything looks like the flesh and operates like what the world is operating like, if you identify more with the world than the word, you're not, being, you're not walking by the flesh. You're not living a lot, or you're not walking a life in the spirit. You're not living a life in the spirit. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Practice means habitually with no recourse or repentance. Okay? So if you mess up tomorrow, but you repent and you know you were wrong and you go to Jesus, that's not, well, man, I guess I'm not going in the kingdom. Not, I guess I'm not in the kingdom. But people that practice say, Man, you know what, I, I, just, I don't care anymore. You know, I, I'm just, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm just going to do it, you know. And they become so hard-hearted to it and so desensitized to it that they live a life and practicing that habitually with no repentance, no remorse. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That means these are the things that should be identifiable on the outside because of the seed that's being sown on the inside. It's fruit of the Spirit. Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So, these are the things that should be identifiable on the outside. Notice he gave a list of the flesh and the Spirit. Why? Because good fruit comes from good seed. And bad fruit comes from bad seed. So he goes ahead and lets you know. There's two different types of fruit that you can bear in your life. And it's all determined by the type of seed you're putting in your life. Now, I want to read this in the New Living Translation. 
just kind of opens it up a little bit. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Jesus, back in John chapter 14, 15, and 16, he introduced the 12 disciples to the Holy Spirit because he said, I'm getting ready to leave, but I'm sending you another one just like me, the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit was going to do was be a guide to them. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. You cannot be led by the Spirit if you're led by anything else. It can't happen. It's not possible. You can't follow two guides that are going in two opposite directions. You have to pick one. If you go to a park or a zoo and you got someone that's guiding you on a tour, and one of them is going to the lions and the other one is going to see the sharks, well, they're going to go in two separate directions. And you've got to pick one. Am I going to go see the lions or am I going to go see the sharks? Who am I going to follow? So you can't be led by the Spirit and led by your emotions. can't be led by the Spirit and be led by your finances. can't be led by the Spirit and be led by fear. can't be led by love and be led by hate. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He will not force you to go on his tour. No, you have to go on my tour. You have to follow my... No. He says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. That means you have the responsibility. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. The Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. And he goes on and he gives the results. But go on down to verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. A life in the Spirit requires death to the flesh. It's a requirement. As long as your flesh has a voice, you'll be hindered from a life in the Spirit. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited, provoke one another, or be jealous of one another. This life in the Spirit is a very important concept that is very simple when we break it down. And there's very deliberate steps that have to be taken in our lives to follow a life in the Spirit. But I'm going to tell you, that a life in the flesh and a life in the spirit, neither one will happen by accident. Jesus said, beware of false prophets. You will know them by their 
fruits. That means that these false prophets have been planting something within them that later identifies them as a false prophet. They were deliberate to do so. If you're living a life in the flesh, it doesn't happen by accident. If you're living a life in the spirit, it doesn't happen by accident. It's deliberate choices that we make in our lives. The Holy Spirit has been given to man to defeat the flesh, not the devil. The Holy Spirit is in you to help you live this kind of life. That's why we have him. He's not there to make us sound or look or be more spiritual just on the outside. He's there to make us spiritual on the inside so then that way we can reveal that fruit on the outside. And when you can re- when you can give when you can reveal and bear good fruit, then you can give away good fruit. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you so much that we've had this opportunity to be in your word. We have such a high priority for your word. It's truth to us. It's life to us. It's peace to us. So, Father, I thank you for the life that we have received tonight, the expectation, the preparation. Father, I thank you that we will continue to meditate on this word, meditate on these scriptures, meditate on everything that was spoken tonight. May a life in the spirit become our highest priority. Not to look and sound and try to be more spiritual in the sense of doing what the world thinks spiritual things are, but just living a life in the spirit that causes us to walk in love instead of hate, causes us to have joy uh, instead of sorrow, causes us to have peace instead of fear. Father, we thank you that your word creates all these things. And as we give time to your word, give priority to your word, it creates within us a life that lines up with your word. And Father, we'll be identified as people that have been with Jesus, just as the disciples were, because of the fruit that we bear. And because we bear that fruit, we can give away life. We can restore someone else. We can bring life to someone else. We can help someone with their marriage. We can help someone uh, deal with worry and anxiety from losing a job. We can help someone uh, not always be moved by hate, but operate out of love. Because we bear fruit that then begins to sustain them, that begins to bring life to them. And people always come back to a place that brings life. Father, we're thankful for the people that you have placed in our lives to invest in and to to bring an influence from the kingdom upon. And we thank you, Father, that as we live this life in the spirit, we will be that influence. We will bring that investment that will change people's lives. We thank you so much for what's been done here. We thank you for the work that's being done here at Anchor Faith Church. And I thank you, Father, for every person that is hooked up with us, every individual, every family that gives their time, gives their resource, makes a priority for this ministry. I thank you that they're blessed because they are furthering the advancement of your kingdom. We thank you for all that's been done here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.